0: Blog Talk Radio Hello. This is Gigabit Nation: Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I'd like to thank you for taking time to be with us today as we provide useful information and insights to help public, private and nonprofit organizations get more, better broadband everywhere it needs to be in the US. Now, today, I can say, without a doubt, many eyes in the broadband community are all turned toward the heart of Texas, as we learned yesterday that Google has selected Austin, Texas, to be uh, that company's next big gigabit network build-out. And I think, for one thing, that there are a lot of people out there who want to know, how did they do it? You know, there were over 1,100 communities in that initial run for the Google Roses and Austin managed to rise above the pack, and so there's some definite lessons to be learned from how they did, what they did, when they did it. So we have two of the main architects of the Austin Drive to capture the hearts and minds over there at Google and uh, and help them uh, join this Gigabit City Club. Uh, one is Council Member Laura Morrison, who was elected to the Austin City Council in 2008 and reelected in 2011 with... Seventy-three percent of the vote. So clearly, here is a successful and popular uh, local elected official. But it's also interesting to note that um, uh, Councilmember Morrison is very tech-savvy. Uh, was an engineer over at Lockheed Martin and consultant involved with complex software development, and, and of course her involvement in the Google project. So we can assume that she knows her way around a few uh, a few circuit boards here in the world. Um, our second guest is. Um, Rondella Hawkins, who is currently the telecommunications and regulatory affairs officer uh, for the City of Austin, and her office has direct responsibility for uh, administering electric and uh, gas right-of-way franchise agreements and uh, license agreements with telecommunications and wireless communication providers. Now, she has been working in uh, technology and government service for over 23 years and is currently uh, Vice President of the Texas Association of Telecommunication Officers and Advisors and is a board member for the National Association. So welcome, uh, Rondella and Laura, and thank you very much for taking time, out of all the craziness going on over there, to be our guest on the show today.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Craig. This is Laura. It's um, great to be here. I'm delighted to join you.
2: And thank you. This is Ron Della, and we're delighted to share our to share our story. We are definitely uh, still things are a um, a little hectic, and the excitement is is is
0: everlasting. <laughs> so, inquiring minds want to know how'd you do it.
1: Well, <clears throat> I think that you know one thing we should just put on the table right now is that um, in many ways Austin sells itself. Because, you know, there's a lot of uh, visibility, a lot of enthusiasm about the city right now. And so um, the bottom line is that the application to Google was a partnership. It was a partnership between the city government and the community. And, in fact, I guess I'd like to say there were two separate applications that worked in parallel. And I'd be happy to tell you more about the details of each of them. But essentially, you know, Google, when they put out their request for um, information, they had some very specific sort of plodding questions that they wanted answered about, you know, what it would be like to actually construct this infrastructure in your city. Stuff that, you know, micro-trenching and different pole connection things and all of that. Um, So we had to take the reins on that, but then also work and partner with the community because um, a lot of the Clearly, a lot of Google's interest was, went, was in whether there was an interest in the community.
0: Mm-hmm. So showing that interest and demonstrating that was, was key to the, to the whole ball of wax in many ways.
1: That's certainly my understanding. And, um, and <coughs> let me just say that was not a problem here. Uh, <laughs> the challenge was getting it organized so it could effectively convey the community interest um and even that was not hard to do because within a week of the release of the RFI from Google um we have a you know at, at the at the UT we have the LBJ School of Public Affairs within a week uh we had a professor there and his class that had sort of organized a community, community response platform on the web and um called big gig austin Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so basically the response from the community was spontaneous and immediate.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> Excuse me, I have a bit of a cough, so I uh, I apologize now. Um, so what steps did you take to gather and organize that show of community interest? Because that really goes to the heart of, I think, any good broadband plan, regardless of how you're trying to get money for it, is being able to, to, harness, uh, to, to harness that interest and project it out to all the people who you need to project it to.
1: Um, well, luckily we have, um, just as I'm sure in many other cities, we have an amazingly participatory, active, Set of advocates for anything you might want to imagine. <laughs> That's partly why we love this city. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage folks to go to biggigaustin.org um, because the website is still up with much of the information. Um, but what? Um, but basically, that was as I said, that was the platform we organized around, um, and it was an opportunity number one for people to identify that they were interested and put themselves on a map, literally. Um, well, I should say virtually <laughs> there, <laughs> virtually there. And then another really exciting thing that um, that they did was they put up a, 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 an opportunity for people to um, brainstorm and put their ideas in of what would it mean to the city, what would it mean to them if we had a, a big gig here in Austin. So that was a way to sort of foment a lot of conversation w um, that, with the community, I mean, and, and I can say that I and Mandela and, you know, other city folks were very integrally working with the, these folks. But they also, this happened around South by Southwest mm-hmm. um, at time, and so we had a lot of interaction there. What we did was we had these, you know, cards that was, what was the name of our little Google? When, the Big Gig Austin. Yeah, but um, the cards that we passed out. Anyways, we had a lot of people down at um, South by Interactive, uh, passing out cards, asking them to get online and and show their support, um, taking videos of people in the street, saying what you know, what did they think about um, uh, 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 gig, um, Google Fiber coming to Austin? The cards we passed out had a QR code so that it would take them right to Big Gig to sign up. Um, and then we had meetups. I mean, I remember. Have you ever heard of the Alamo Draft House? I have not. Okay, not. well, yeah, Google it. You'll find out it's the coolest
0: okay.
1: <laughs> It's the coolest uh movie theater franchise in the nation. Uh-huh. Um anyways, they have a little thing called Highball, which is actually a bowling alley next to one. We had a meetup there with a really good turnout of people that are just coming out, you know, to uh a happy hour to talk about Big gig and what it means to them, and things like that. Rondelli, can you remember some of the other community events that were taking place? Yes, and so we used the the social media you know we used uh facebook
2: we we had a twitter account uh we yeah you know, the youtube videos we we used YouTube for outreach and um I mean there was just so much enthusiasm we had our uh citizen, citizen advisory commission uh several of those members were engaged uh one Member in particular uh, partnered with Chip Rosenthal, partnered with uh, Gary Chapman the professor at LBJ School on the whole community <laughs> portal uh to really garner the you know community to demonstrate the community demand and the support and, and the ideas. Um, our city council passed a resolution actually uh, about a week after Google's announcement that they were issuing this request for information so that really set the stage a council directing the city manager to to uh, apply to google and um it was just you know it was a very uh it turned out to be a really st- strategic uh process we had the community side of things which was led by community leaders like Gary Chapman and Chip and and others then we had the city process which you know we have to talk about you know right of way management and regulatory policies and we had a you know, we had a whole host of city departments that were involved in putting together this, you know, to demonstrate that we would streamline, that we have a streamlined process, and that we are open and welcome for having broadband services, service providers come to Austin uh, to provide, you know, high bandwidth
1: um, services to, to our residents. Mm-hmm. And And I guess I just want to add, I think that, you know, at the, At the foundation of all of this is that we had key people in the community that got it immediately that were able to provide leadership roles. Um, Rondella mentioned Chip Rosenthal and our uh, Community Technology and Telecommunications Commission, which is uh, made up of Austinites volunteering their time to address guess what technology and telecommunications issues mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and they uh you know they work on digital inclusion issues and all sorts of things and and they you know this grabbed their spirit right away i'm the, they, the city council has an emerging technology and telecommunications committee, which is sort of a partner with the citizen commission I'm the chair of and um has two other council members on it, and so you know we were immediate, rondella was immediately aware of what it could mean. And it's funny because it it catches the imagination, it caught the imagination of many, many people, and I think that it was important to realize that the sort of technical understanding of what it was would have, you know, spanned a spectrum. Some people really knew like what it meant technologically speaking, but there were a lot of people that really aren't that technologically inclined that they it just caught their imagination of being part the potential for being part of the next generation of the internet mm-hmm. um, and so I think you know that was sort of the foundation of sort of the, how this grew organically
0: mhm now i 'm going to get into some of the, the 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 finer points of the uh you know bringing the plan to or of the of the plan itself, but how do you make the transition from Uh, lots of, uh, you know, lots of input, lots of enthusiasm, lots of ideas, but how do you take that and translate it into a coherent plan that, you know, prioritizes and keeps this whole ball of wax with some semblance of coherency, you know, as opposed to just a constant babbling brook?
1: Um, So, well, with regard to the... um the application period that we put together. I guess I want to mention that on the city side of it, there was a very disciplined effort underway. As opposed to, and I don't want to say that the community side wasn't disciplined, but it was much more, you know, everybody come join the the party. Um, on the city side of it, Rondella was in charge of, you know, I don't know if you saw that the request for information, but it was it was pretty detailed kind of stuff, and and. Um, So she was in charge of coordinating with the other departments to get answers in there that were absolutely accurate. I was also working at the same time to make part of our application a set, and I this was another important part, um, as part of our formal application, we attached many, many letters from key leaders in the community, and I brought a list of them with me just to refresh my memory. Memory, We had people, we had letters from the Texas House of Representatives, the Texas Senate. Certainly we had the city council and the city manager. Our public transit authority, we had a letter from them. Our health care district, letter from them. We touched base, so that's sort of government. We also, and th- these were all very enthusiastic letters. Uh, we had a group from the local media. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Austin Chronicles. They are not mm-hmm. only did they put out our weekly alternative, so to speak, they also are the um they are South by Southwest.
2: Mm-hmm. They started
1: South by South Southwest. Um oh, really? We had, yeah. They started and they are what what's the proper term? The, they're not the publisher I mean they're the they're not the promoter. They they own South by. They do South by. Okay. Um we had a letter from the um, – so we have a daily paper, a standard daily paper, the American Statesman. We had a letter from the publisher. Um, we also had a letter from um, our cooperative radio station, our public radio station, KUT, and uh, KLRU, which is another um, public station, classical Mm -hmm. We had letters from the president or vice president or director of our two major hospitals in town. Um, We had letters from a variety of um, creatives, people from the creative community, you know, people that were, let's see, we had, um, well, Robert Rodriguez, uh, movie, movie, great guy, Mm -hmm. um, was part of our application. So was um, Richard Garriott. Origin Systems Mm -hmm. was part of our application. Um, And then we had several others, uh, Films Troublemaker Troublemaker Studios, of course. Um, And then we had letters. Then we had a set that were from the educational community, uh, including the University of Texas, Austin Community College, uh, the Chancellor of St. Edwards University, of course our independent business, uh, excuse me, our independent school district, uh let's see. We then reached out to if I can just keep going.
0: This is all good stuff.
1: Okay, good. Um I don't know if you're familiar with Pecan Street. Pecan Street is something that it's a it's a nonprofit organization that does research in smart grid technologies um, that is sort of a collaborative between major um major industrial folks like Samsung, et cetera and governmental and nonprofits like the city is on the board of it mm-hmm. um and so that's of course a really exciting opportunity there just in terms of smart grid technology and being able to wire your house and have it be um you know constantly feeding and you're able to be managed your uh energy usage real time so we had a great letter from them from the executive director the executive director is Brewster McCracken, who used to be a council member. So we mm-hmm. have close ties to him. Uh we got, let's see, we have a housing authority in Austin. Um let's see, we got letters from some of our um some of our commissions, of course our technology commission and our library commission. We had a letter from the director of the Texas Film Commission. Uh let's see. Still going here. Um so and then we of course tapped in to the nonprofit world
0: mm-hmm.
1: because to me there's a couple of prongs to the real significance of this and one of course is next generation internet but one is being able to connect more people mm-hmm. and being able to make a difference and move forward in digital inclusion um and I'm very I've been very excited talking to the Google folks over the past few months about how committed they are Uh, to that, and, you know, part of their plan is free access at current speeds for anybody. But anyway, so we had a lot of, we tapped into a lot of nonprofits. We have something called um, Big Austin, um, El Buen Samaritano, Girl Start, um, all sorts of things like that. I think that, oh my, I still have more. We have,
0: okay. (laughs) I guess where you're coming from with all this. So clearly you can never have enough letters of endorsement. Um <clears throat> the marketing side of me says that you basically serve a, a two you know tiered purpose. I mean, one is to prove to Google that there is uh the support there, and if I were to transition that off to say the general community that may or may not be looking at Google as a as a possibility, you would still have these kinds of letters if you were looking for investors or some you know, folks to get involved uh, in some meaningful way, having those letters are a good recruitment tool. And I'm going to interrupt for one second because I think we have a caller coming in. Hold on one sec. Good morning. This is Gigabit Nation. Do we have a caller?
3: Uh, yes, I'm here. This is Andrew McFarlane.
0: Andrew, thank you very much for calling in.
3: Thank you for uh, hosting and sponsoring, and uh, bless you, it's oak season down here too.
0: Good deal, good deal. So you have a question or you have a comment?
3: Uh, I guess uh, both, I'm not sure. But uh, I noticed that uh, the Google Fiber Plan looks like it's going to be a symmetrical service. In other words, the uploads and download speeds are going to be the same, which is something that we don't enjoy with any broadband service choice in Austin right now. Mm -hmm. The upload is tremendously uh, capped uh, so as to discourage content from being delivered by anybody but the providers. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, I see that Google has announced that they will not be using technologies to, uh, uh, at the network level, look at the data of customers, the transactions, your emails. And that's, again, contradictory to the choices we have in Austin. And I'm just wondering if uh, if your guest would support Uh, enshrining both of these into public policy that we make all entrants provide symmetrical bandwidth because they've announced they're doing the same thing and they want to be treated just alike. So could we enshrine those? uh, Is there a way to make that be part of the policy for the broadband services
0: here? Which one of you two leaders? I guess uh, Council Member Morrison, this would be your area. Well,
1: um, actually, it really gets into the regulatory environment that we're here, and I'm going to let, you know, we're under state regulations, I'm going to let Rondella talk about that. And, hey, Andy, nice to hear from you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, um, and, you know, I'm thinking that. Rondella can describe the situation as it is today, and maybe what you need to do, Andy, is talk to our friends at the state legislature. Um, might be exactly what you need to do. But Rondella, can you talk a little bit about what we're under? Yes, certainly. Thanks, Andy. Hi there. Uh, so, you know, the state regs—these
2: uh, uh, providers who want to come in and prov- uh, provide video service—there's uh, the state. Law that sets out what the regulatory requirements are, and we, as a, as a municipality, don't really have the authority to to require a provider to, you know, have open access to, you know, as far as any type of content regulation, bandwidth caps. Um, that's outside of our of our authority.
0: Okay. Do you just if I can sort of follow on myself. Do you have a way you mentioned early on that you had gotten you know letters of support from the the state legislature? Do you feel that maybe you might be in a position to bring that up as a legislative matter for them to consider well
1: um well, let me say that we have a terrific uh, county delegation here representing um, us at the Capitol, and we have very close working relationships with them. They're very, you know, integrated into the community at large, and also we work with them individually. Um, and certainly, while we might be uh, able to raise that as an issue, they are often um, is only one part of the state of Texas, and there are people that... You know, it would be a matter of whether it would be palatable to the to the rest of the state. I don't know, Andy, maybe you have some thoughts on the matter.
3: Well, there's uh, federal efforts to update the Electronic Communication Privacy Act, and um, whether it's a public policy statement or a mayoral executive order, we think that uh, for the telecommuters who are going to be using the fiber to the home services, the high-tech community, they want their trade secrets protected, law firms want their traditional privileges respected, and uh, I think Google has shown some leadership in stating that they are going to respect those privacies, and we have the other side asking for equal treatment. So whether we enshrine this in law or just issue some policy statements or guidelines that people should adhere to, I think that might be enough, versus trying to get 186 people at the legislature to agree <laughs> on much right for Austin because we don't like that usually.
1: Yeah, good point about that, but certainly there are possibilities for council just to make a statement of support for certain things. Um and I think what I'm hearing is that that from you Andy that that might, you know, be at least a step in the right direction and um ask that that be made part of our legislative agenda, both at the state and the federal, so we can we can certainly get that conversation in the mix um what i'm thinking is that, um it might be interesting to have that discussion at our emerging our next emerging technology uh committee meeting um so maybe maybe we can make that happen mhm all right thanks
0: thank you very much for calling in we appreciate it One of the things that, you know, this kind of brings up, I know that um, in the announcement made by um, our friends at AT AT&T that uh, there are assumed, or maybe it's fact, that there are certain, uh, I don't know, regulatory um, accommodations made for Google. But in a couple of articles, I've read sort of that, you know, I think it's an assumption, but it's not the actual reality that the the biggest thing what really from a rules perspective had to do with, you know, uh right of way access as opposed to any kind of regulatory relief. Is is that a fair assessment of where things actually are versus rumored to be?
1: Um I'm going to let Rondella maybe comment in detail, but I can tell you that um there were um, you know, we i I learned a lot in the these discussions and what I learned is that we're we're under state regulations and mm-hmm. we do not offer don't have the authority to offer anything to one uh franchise that is not completely available to the other.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: um and I do you, and so we did not offer incentives. We um I think you might have there were some quotes the quotes of the mayor in terms of us um you know committing to um to collaborate with them to make sure that we you know that they can move uh forward through because there's a lot of grungy construction and and permitting um and and we uh you know we work with big projects all the time like uh, like that uh, mm-hmm. so um it's certainly something to that we the city is is always willing to promote but there were no accommodations right. that aren't available to everybody.
0: Right. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Rondella, did you want to add to that?
2: No, I'm Council Member. Uh, it is accurate that we, you know, we are prohibited by law um, from favoring one provider over another. So there were no concessions. Uh, we treated, you know, we'll treat in all <coughs> terms uh, to any provider who wants to come in and uh, for fair, equitable, and non-discriminatory treatment.
0: Mm-hmm. So, by the way, is the network an op- going to be an open access network? My
2: understanding is that it's that it's going to be uh, Google will be managing offering the content um, as far as the cable television offerings. Um, I'm I'm not a, since it's for a residential network. I think it is going to be primarily Google. It's going to be closed access, but I think that's more of a question for for Google.
0: Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. So now, um, getting back to the, uh, we have a mountain of support. We've got lots of energy. How does the act- How did the actual planning part work? Now, uh, I should probably preface this by saying, you know, in, in num- a number of my writings, starting with the broadband stimulus period, you know, I said that there's one series of activities you go through in order to to win a grant or a uh, you know several grants. Or, in this case, the Google situation where it was kind of a you know a contest, if you will, that there's a certain procedure and a process. you've got to answer questions, but you're basically responding to either the the parameters of the stimulus proposal or the grant pr- procedure or a you know Google RFI. But at some point you have to put together a business plan for how you're going to, you know, use the network to impact economic development and um, education and so forth. How does that planning process happen, you know, sort of the, you know, we've responded to the RFI, but now we've got to have a business plan to make sure this thing works, you know, does what we need it to do.
1: Well, um, I think that um – and I can say that there was no organized plan put together. We did, of course, we've had conversations with Google over the past months uh, as they have looked to solidifying the plan that to, to be here. What I fully expect to happen now is for sort of community organization around the, the potential for this happening mm-hmm. um, and uh, on the... You know, sort of in the realm of a business plan, and um, I think that you know the cities we're, we're 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 very tied into you know small local businesses, the tech community, the you know venture capital discussions with the with the chamber and the technology council, um, all of the community groups, a um, lot about digital inclusion, and so um, I expect that starting that already starting, people are thinking and brainstorming about that. I know Google has, for instance, on the digital inclusion world, they have a digital inclusion officer that um, we're very excited to start talking to about their plans and getting them connected uh, to the individual, uh, you know, sort of on-the-ground communities that aren't necessarily uh, on the cutting edge of technology. So um I sort of expect that to happen. There's already the sort of the neighborhood uh level organization to demonstrate demand. That's already happening. Um so Google has their website up. Is it uh I'm not sure exactly what it is, we'll find it for you. Mm-hmm. Where you can sign up. But I read I used to be the president of the Austin Neighborhoods Council, so I um Tend to follow a lot of the neighborhood listservs, and already yesterday, uh, that was like on all the listservs go here, sign up. We want our neighborhood to be first. Anyways, it's um, let's see, it's google.com slash fiber slash Austin. So, anybody out there in radio land listening, um, if you live in Austin, go to that website, uh, google slash fiber slash Austin to get your your interest registered.
0: Okay. Um, so let's look at some of the, the the specific areas of where this network is going to have uh, an impact. Um, let's start with economic development. Where where do you see the the impact on on economic development locally, and also who's going to drive call maybe that aspect of the network's usage?
1: Um, Well, I think that, you know, um, Austin has a lot of very interesting tech stuff going on Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of very interesting interesting entrepreneurial um, activity. And I I think that you're going to see, obviously, early adoption and early brainstorming. That's part of the challenge of this is you can't, you know, if you think back to uh, dial-up days, and how we have really changed our culture and maybe couldn't have really envisioned what it would be like to have broadband at 5 megabits
3: mm-hmm. um
1: you have to you have to be comfortable in this space of I'm not sure where we're going but I think it's going to be really great
0: mm-hmm. and
1: get the right people um talking and keep in mind that we're talking about a couple of things we're talking about doing the same things we do on the internet today only faster Mm-hmm. You know, they've been talking about you know when you when you look at Netflix, you're not going to have to see the loading bar and all of that. But then, and I think that's that's the simple thing to envision. The harder thing to envision is uh, doing all new things on the internet that we don't even think about now that are made possible by the fact that you have a gig speed. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, the and I think it's going to be an enormous boon to economic development just in terms of the activity that it's going to generate uh, with,
0: um, you know,
1: brainstorming
0: and creating new applications. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one of the discussions about broadband and economic development, when people are saying, well, what can, you know, where it can have an impact, there's, it seems to go into one of two categories. Either they're going, to, they're going to use the network, a community is going to use the network to make the existing businesses uh, more competitive, more efficient in marketing, open new markets for them and so forth, uh, or they're going to use it to attract new business. and Or they may very well do both, but one may have a priority over the other. You know, when you have limited resources, you got to kind of go one way or the other there initially. What, do, you, do you see... Um, one of those two being a main driver for the economic development side of, the, of broadband? Um, I think we're going to get some of both. Um, you
1: know, uh, first of all, let's get clear that Google's commitment here is to connect to residential. Mm-hmm. And I know that they're, I, I mean, I think that they're thinking possibly about, you know, connecting to some businesses. So um so there's that little technical detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would think, so So the, you know, making existing businesses more efficient, I think we'll, I expect to see that. Um, you know, one of the things that Google did launch here a couple years ago was the uh, their program Get Your Business Online, where they, uh, in Austin, where they helped hundreds of businesses get up and running on the Internet and gave them a free website because I think that um, I heard some amazing statistics that I'm not going to be able to um, quote remember specifically, but, you know, the, the growth of a business that is, does have a web presence is, you know, on average hugely greater than the growth of a business that's not. So mm-hmm. I think if you couple that with entrepreneurial and, you know, if they reach out to, to business access and things like that, we're definitely going to see Mm-hmm.
2: There. And if I'd you, like I would like to add that as far as economic development, since it's gonna be a residential network, it you know, it's going to to enable folks who work from their home that work maybe in the film industry or, you know, in, in those creative industries to to create more from from their from their home. And um it's also very attractive for I think for businesses if if their employees um, have this, you know, access to this really to this high-speed network for telecommuting purposes, or for, you know, for working on on, on uh, applications that require large bandwidth. So,
1: um, mm-hmm. yeah, Rondell is absolutely right because if you think about, you know, when we think about telecommuting, we think um, of a lot of different things. We and the impacts. It means that maybe you can have more. You can attract better or some employee, better employees because it's a great perk. We think about the um, climate impact because it reduces your carbon footprint. Um, and we think about, you know, what it does to promote quality of life for people that need to be able to work from home. Um, mm-hmm. So all those are sort of indirect <clears throat> economic development issues. But with the creative community, um I'm very excited to see what happens with that because um like Rondella was talking about it can allow it it can now allow it will allow collaborations and actual uh work being done collaboratively but uh you know in different spaces so um that's very exciting. The other thing is that Google is going to be their plan is to uh connect to some of our public facilities that um Aren't connected on a on a high-speed uh, fiber um, network at this point, and I don't know that those are necessarily. I think nonprofits too. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So public and nonprofit. So you know, you think about well, maybe Austin Film Studios would be one of those. Uh, mm-hmm. So that would
0: be those could be really exciting mm-hmm. opportunities. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Let's shift then to education, uh, of which the potential is great, obviously. Um, what, what what kind of directions do you see taking to drive uh, impact on the education system there?
1: Well, again, um, I think that a lot of that's going to be like remote collaboration and things like that and being able to bring um, – You know, to put things in to put things in front of people, you know, lectures and things like that, and allow for for interaction. And I guess I want to do a little bit of a riff off of education and talk about because this is really a tie between education and economic development, and that is um, technology literacy. Because Mm -hmm. um, you know, let me just say Austin is a really cool, great, wonderful, beautiful place to live. but we have people that are in need here. We have people that don't have jobs. We have people that don't feel like they necessarily have opportunities in their future um, and are ha- are struggling economically. And we need to make sure that those folks are prepared for the digital age and their children are prepared for the digital age. And with Google's plan to offer free access um, and their commitment to, uh, really reach out to underserved communities to make sure that they're, you know, that they're understanding the internet, and because um, they might not necessarily spontaneously be saying that they want those want uh, the the um, network there. So the ability to improve technology literacy is sort of education. It's hugely economic development too, because it's a it, it's part of what it takes to lift everybody up.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, yes I I definitely agree now do you have a uh, economic department economic development department within the city government structure or is there an economic development agency where we would expect you know one of those entities to to take the lead because I know in in a number of communities uh, you, you have an economic development agency but in some and maybe in larger mostly in the larger cities you will have also an economic development um, uh you know department within the government structure and i think as these communities plan on using broadband for uh to impact economic development does working with an i don't know an economic development agency is that any different than working with an economic development department within uh a city government structure like does one have one responsibility versus the other group or do they share responsibilities for maximizing broadband as an economic development tool?
2: Craig, in Austin we ac- we have an economic development department. Okay. And they do work in concert with the, you know, we have a uh, chambers of commerce. They We've got the Greater Austin Chamber of Commerce, the African-American Chamber of Commerce, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, the Asian-American Chamber of Commerce. And so um, they work in concert as far as, economic development and, mm-hmm. and attracting businesses to Austin. Okay. And this would be, you know, broadband, I mean fiber, you know, 1 gig fiber is certainly uh very appealing and um will even further further I att- think attract more businesses
1: to the Austin mm-hmm. area. Okay. Mhm. I think we um, can certainly expect that and you know, I'm thinking of some of the recent work that's come out of our economic um development organization is called economic growth and redevelopment um you know they we had a we had a economic impact assessment of the creative industries mm-hmm. uh here done here in Austin and it's huge it's absolutely huge and i think that um that's one of the exciting things about this cuz i think there's a lot of brainstorming and excitement um for integrating fast access uh into the creative industries so mm-hmm. So um and then I guess I want to say that there's a lot of the chambers, as um Rondella was mentioning, we have uh the Greater Austin Chamber, we also have um African American uh Chamber, the Capital Capital um uh Chamber of Com- Capital City Chamber of Commerce, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, the Asian American there there are I think they've merged now, Asian American Chamber of Commerce. We also have a gay lesbian chamber of commerce and an organization called Austin Independent Business Alliance, which is essentially a small uh, local business chamber of commerce, and so um, I think that you'll see very soon a lot of organizing uh, and talk around through mm-hmm. via their organizations.
2: Yeah, and many of those organizations um, submitted letters of support in in our our application to Google. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the part I didn't get to,
0: because <laughs> I had way too many. I'm glad you cut me off. There's so many moving parts there. So he's, uh, now, what about the um, uh, t- telemedicine, telehealth, you know, improving health care delivery? in uh, I'm doing a survey currently. It will be uh, released next week at the Broadband Communities Magazine Summit um, in Dallas. I'll almost, almost get to Austin. I'll be close. But um, one of the things in this survey uh, that I asked folks about was um, – would telemedicine and broadband have an economic impact on the community? And there's a fair percentage of folks who feel that it does. I think the most, the most, uh, I don't know, popular outcome or the outcome that people thought was going to be uh, the most prevalent is that both businesses and individuals would send, end up spending more for healthcare because they would have better access to resources via broadband. Does that ring true from your perspective? Did you say people
1: would end up spending more?
0: Spending less. I'm sorry, spending less. Oh, okay.
1: I was going to say, well, that doesn't sound very efficient. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm glad you touched on that, because that's another area of great excitement in um, Central Texas, because um, we are in the process of... um, creating UT is in the process of creating um a medical school here in Austin. Um it will be the first time that a major medical major medical school has been initiated in 50 years. I heard recently in the um in the United States. So it's a big deal that we're getting a big medical school and a lot of that medical school uh will be serving, you know, a lot of the the wonderful consequences of it is that it's going to be serving many people who are currently underserved through the programs that they have, um, and um, so this couldn't come at a better time. And our hospitals are very excited about this. I think I mentioned our major hospitals were part of our nomination, um, mm-hmm. and they uh, and as they integrate and at our healthcare district making plans for this. Um, I. Can imagine for for them to be planning for this, knowing that people will have an opportunity for telemedicine and fast access, gigabit access. You know, it couldn't happen at a better time because it'll be part of you know from the from the ground floor up to integrate it into how we will operate with our new medical school and new hospital.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you get a sense that there is a? Um, that folks have a vision, maybe of using broadband and basic telemedicine technology to form collaborative efforts between local hospitals in Austin and medical facilities around the country.
1: Sure, I would see that that would be absolutely a possibility. Um, so you're, you're doing the survey, you say? Is it still in process, or you're just you you don't have the final?
0: We are sort of going to wrap it up on um, on uh, oh help me here. We're going to wrap it up on uh, over this past weekend because I've got to you know c- compile all the data. So it is um, if people send an email to uh, Craig at CJ Speaks, I can send them the link to the survey.
1: Great, great because so I think um, I'd love to see the results of that and you know get it into the right hands of the planners and the people that are f- figuring out um how the how the school is going to be de- you know put on the ground how the hospital that's going to be developing around it and how that's going to work with our we have a, a health district here central um uh Texas health district and they're very integral to making sure all the pieces work together and mm-hmm. they are the ones that serve uh low income folks so I think that I'd love to be able to get your results into their hands uh, so they can start thinking uh, thinking broadly about that.
0: No worries. That will actually be released next Thursday um, okay. at, at, in Dallas. And, you know, folks who listen to the show and, and get to my blog and, and all of that, which I think is linked from the home page of the radio show here, uh, should be able to get that, and I'll make a big production about it and and, and so forth. Um, It'll be interesting because in September of last year um, with uh, IEDC, the International Economic Development Council, we did a survey just of economic development professionals, and we identified certain economic uh, development outcomes, we talked about personal economic development, Uh, we talked about the, you know, various types of broadband and, and various types of broadband speeds and how they would impact these various outcomes. And so this current survey is to an audience of government uh, officials and managers, uh, service providers, and and consultants. In other words, the rest of the world that's sort of involved with broadband. And so it will be somewhat of a compare and contrast of the survey results. But there were also a number of questions being asked to the second group that weren't asked to the first group, medical services being one. Uh, Home-based businesses, which, by the way, I should probably swing back and talk about for a little bit, um it has been a surprise to me in both in these last two surveys that um a lot of people have keyed on home-based businesses. And on the one hand, they they bring up the point that home-based businesses in many communities are hard to track. I mean, uh I I'm working for a place in Iowa where they don't even have business licenses, so to track conventional businesses is difficult there. Tracking home based businesses is you know is sort of a dream at this point, but they're not alone that that the home based businesses are not being tracked in a lot of places, but on the flip side, people say, well, if you have you know Google Fiverr coming to homes, one of the outcomes that people should expect uh is that there will be an increase of home business activity uh number one, do you think that that's um true? And then the second question is, what would you recommend that communities do to uh support uh like an, a surge in uh home based businesses
1: um yeah, I completely buy that. I would think that would be um entirely reasonable to expect a growth in home based business I'm thinking um you're talking about whether they Whether anyone had a sort of a grip on how many home-based businesses, I don't believe there's nothing that would require you to register. The only formal thing I'm thinking about is if you ever start on your federal taxes, which, of course, aren't available to local authorities, start doing home-based business. So that's an interesting thing. Um, I... um, you know, especially during the downturn, I think we saw a lot of home-based businesses and people sort of bootstrapping themselves because that was that was the time in their lives when that was a good good alternative. Um, and I can say that um, in the at the city of Austin, we have a small business development uh, department, and it provides a lot of res- great great resources uh, to small businesses in terms of helping them sort of get their feet on the ground um with a business plan um you know there's a lot of discipline that goes into trying to create a business and if you're at home and starting to do that to be able to have those kind of resources available I think is really important so um if people are interested in the programs uh that the that department provides just to get ideas you can find small business development, um, on the city of Austin website. Mm Um, then one of the things they do is a meet the lender program, for instance, Mm -hmm. uh, every year to get folks together. Um, and then I also want to mention, which I already had, um, our, uh, Austin independent business Alliance and they are huge, wonderful advocates and I don't want to say promoters necessarily, but support organization for local businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have had some really um, uh, important studies that have been done that show us, and I think everybody gets this by now, how much more uh, impo- how important and the the economic benefit to a community of a local business versus a chain business. Uh, you know, for every dollar that gets spent at a local business, I can't remember the the amount of money right off the top of my head, but some studies were done that. Uh, how much that generates in the local community compared to a non-local business. And it sure makes sense to uh, to support our local businesses for the economic health uh,
3: mm-hmm.
1: of our community. And AIBA does uh, lots of great programs and, and things like that to promote um, the small local businesses in town. So okay. I think that having that infrastructure in place in a community can really help. And now and now, moving to a new world with um, with Google Fiber, um, I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, there's going to be a great opportunity for those organizations to provide some sort of framework around the discussion and at least a framework uh, venue for
0: having that discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, you know, we're almost ready to, uh, to close here. I've got about eight minutes or so left. One of the... Um, sort of the good news, bad news aspects that a number of folks for the last, I don't know, five, six years have talked about is that when you have the, you know, the launch of a broadband network, right, not necessarily just like Google, but just any, you know, any community that has built a network, they find that they all all of a sudden get flooded with ideas, right? A lot of them are good ideas, some maybe not so good, but, but what they end up having to do is is prioritize all of that and sometimes i think people aren't even prepared for the onslaught of folks coming in that have a good idea and if you don't respond to them or you know respond to their idea then you can get a little bit of disgruntlement kind of thing going on how do you or how do you expect to prioritize all the ideas coming in
1: well, you know, it's, that's an interesting question that you pose, because I fully expect this to be very organic in development, and I believe that there will be uh, hubs of uh, activity, um, and there may be certainly some some city government involvement in terms of discussions and and where we might put resources, if resources are needed to promote certain things um and then for for whatever subset we're talking about, we would need to prioritize it but i i fully expect um that it that it to be organic in the community and um that it will be uh you know sort of one of those democratic market driven uh melanges of of social advancement mm-hmm. um so uh I can see a small part from a city um government perspective um but we have you know we have great um uh great support here for many kinds of activities i'm thinking of capital factory, which is um you know work um collaborative workspace that is uh just really taking off with this um relatively new paradigm um where I expect you know a lot of a lot of buzzing and activity and ideas. Um, it's a lot about, um, in some ways, it's a lot about people being together, right? And mm-hmm. and bouncing off, you know, bouncing off ideas off each other and having that interaction that gets the juices going. Um, and I expect that to be happening all over the city and neighborhoods and businesses and organizations. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's going to be fun to watch, fun to be a part
0: of. Right, no, no, def- definitely. There's going to be a lot going on. There's a lot that can be made out of uh, out of all of this. Yeah. And um, one <clears throat> somewhat uh, lightning rod question that kind of that comes up a lot uh, is the question of the underserved and digital inclusion, right? My, you know, heart is all about. You know, we need to to, to raise people up. But, when you start talking digital inclusion and broadband in some circles, you get the "Well, why should my tax dollars help poor people surf the web and um without interjecting my commentary on this how do you respond to that kind of thing I don't know if you've gotten that kind of thing in 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 all of this, but well i haven't I haven't gotten that um
1: I suppose some people think that, but they don't say it publicly.
0: Okay,
3: Um, And
1: and we do have, you know, we do support digital inclusion um, programs in the city. We consider it an absolutely uh, fundamental economic issue for the city, as well as, um, you know, a compassionate serving the needs of the citizens uh, to be able to be part of prosperity and all. And we have, like, we support um, an organization called Austin Freenet, which is terrific. Mm -hmm. And for years they have been... Bringing together um, uh, having, at community centers and bringing have, having uh, computer access and technology classes, we do. We have a, a program called Grants for Technology Opportunities, where every year, and it's I guess twelve years old this year. Every year, our Community Technology Commission uh, uh, does a whole call for grants for, and it's all about how to be able to serve people technologically that aren't there. So um it's lots of wonderful nonprofits. They get very small grants and then they have to match them with, you know, mm-hmm. either people hours or something like that. Um I do want to say that in talking with Google, you know, what their lessons learned in Kansas City and I guess I just want to do a shout out to Kansas City. We're really glad to be um mm-hmm. glad to be next. Um but they found that there were some, in Kansas City, they found that there were some neighborhoods that were just not responding with the demand. And, you know, part of it was for those folks that uh, to get um, organized and also understand the relevance, perhaps, of the Internet. And they did a lot of, as I understand it, Google did a lot of very customized outreach to really connect to the community. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so we've talked some about, how they can connect with organizations and, you know, different leadership in different uh, underserved neighborhoods. Um, and that's not your tax dollars at work, by the way. That's Google, mm-hmm. who has a commitment to data inclusion, uh, digital inclusion, and um, and it just turns out nicely that that's a commitment we have in common.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. So to wrap up our time, I know we could talk for forever, and you may have already talked for forever, it seems like, since yesterday's uh, announcement. But I'd like each of you to give maybe a minute uh, of advice. What's the key thing, you know, piece of advice to other communities that may or may not even be be remotely eligible for, you know, a Google um, uh, network, but they want broadband and they want to get broadband some way. They need it. They want it. Um, from your experience getting to this point, what lesson would you give other communities? What's the one thing they need to focus on? To get better broadband in their in their area, we can start well, with uh, well, you, you draw straws. When, when okay, Rondell
1: is starting.
2: Uh, <laughs> I'll go first. I'll go first. So, um, I, I really think that at, that uh, whether you're a small city or a large city, and smaller cities are going to have, I think, more challenges as far as broadband availability, um, and especially rural cities, that really, I think, first. Um, Ed, you know, educating your residents about the, you know, about broadband and what the relevance of broadband is, and the, you know, the benefits, the economic development benefits, and uh, for for those who have providers, um, and then those citizens, those residents can then can you know contact the the service provider, mm-hmm. and start you know the customer demand issue. Um, that you know they want ban- you know they want broadband they want faster broadband and I think you know you rally the community and and the residents and those voices will hopefully be heard by by the uh, by the service providers and if not then they can contact you know their elected officials either at the local level or at the state level um, and I know that there are municipalities um, that are those that are not prohibited by law that are actually building their own community broadband networks for a lack of uh, availability by the private sector.
1: Yeah, and I guess I'll just jump in quickly. I know we <clears throat> we need to close up, but I guess, number one, understand your re- regulatory environment because, you know, what's happening in the state of Texas is different than other places. And um, so working, you know, making sure to broaden the community demand, but also tap your – your elected officials, and um, you know, we had a, we have a great organization here in town called Open Austin, that basically is advocating for open government, and and they actually let me they actually um, sent out questionnaires to all the candidates that were running for city council, so you can get you know things like that, you can get your agenda in front of people. In that way, because guess what? When you're running for city council, you want to learn about new new issues for the community. So hold your elected officials accountable as to, number one, it's just the right thing to do to be part of the modern age. It's good for the economy. You know, there's always return on investment uh, studies that you can show, you know, about if you're going to be investing um, uh, community dollars and things like that. So I think that making it a, a, a partnership just like we had in terms of the community and the city government and our um application to Google um i think that's really a key to
0: success. Mhm. Excellent. Well, i think we um you know we've come to the end of our time but this has been extremely valuable. This has been extremely encouraging. Uh clearly in this upcoming summer Austin must be on my travel plans because i have to come there and see uh you know all the great things that you, that you folks are doing. And, uh, you know, clearly I and and the folks who follow the show and and all that really support Austin and are extremely happy to see you among that circle up there with, you know, Kansas City and Chattanooga and Lafayette and so forth. And, you know, I think it's going to be a fun ride and a very good outcome or series of outcomes, you know, Mm -hmm. as this all kind of comes together. So thank you both very much for being on our show today.
1: Thank you, Craig. It's been great. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. And, and thank you to our audience for listening in. If you're going to be in Dallas next um, next week for Broadband Magazine's <clears throat> Broadband Summit, please uh, say hello, ping me. I'll probably be doing a couple of shows from the uh, from the conference itself as well next week. And the Economic Development Survey report will be out on Thursday, so ping me for all that good stuff. Let's keep these broadband projects moving forward. Everybody have a great day. Talk to you again soon.